Do you have style or did you lose it somewhere in your 20s? Maybe it fell into your comfort zone or maybe it's just plain worn out. Today's guest, Amber Constant, the closeteer, shares how we can find our individual sense of style and how to talk to your spouse when their clothes have you searching for the closest dumpster. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 143. We're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. Oh, I was on the hammer there. Oh my gosh. Uh, It's so hot, I've lost control of my my brain. Like, I can't even make sense. I thought you were going to say bowels. (laughs) (laughs) What? No. Is that something that happens when you get heat stroke? I mean, it probably could. It well, probably could. It, well, this is Austin, Texas, on it, September 10th, and uh, it is, it's not summer anymore. Now it's moved into the next of the nine seasons that we have here <laughs> called The Devil's Front Porch. Yeah, I mean, the kids have been in school for about a month, and it still is 100 degrees every day, and I just want to go on record as saying I object. Hey, do you want to go to the pool later? No, I'm tired of going to the pool. I want hoodies. I've actually, I hear you. I've like actually we grew seen people up up wearing north. them just out of sheer... Out of spite. Yeah, just out of spite. I'm going to spite the heat. I'm going to wear a hoodie and I'll be fine. <laughs> and then they pass out. Um, no, we grew up up north in northwest Ohio. And this time of year means cool evenings... You know, you go go shopping for your, your school clothes and stuff. Crunchy and there's a leaves. jacket, crunchy leaves, mm, apple none, cider. None of that here. None of that. No. Maybe apple no. juice in a juice box. Oy. <laughs> that there are seven secrets to a legendary marriage. I d- what are they? Well, number one is... Wait a minute. Ha- I thought they were secrets. Yeah. What are you, a secret buster? Oh. Well, should we should we encourage people to go over to <laughs> legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets, the number seven and then secrets yes. to find it? And just keep it a secret though. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do that. All right. So today on the show, we're talking style. We're talking lots of things, especially the real definition and the real use of the word flouncy which is something very important <laughs> that everyone needs to know. Um, lots of fun with I our conversation. I know you're waiting for me to interrupt with some funny voice to say flouncy, and I'm not going to do it. All right. Well, then let's just I'm get to I'm not going to a- disrespect flouncy by making fun of it. All right. Let's that get- would be unkind. Let's get and to And I'm a- not going to do it. Let's get to our conversation with the closeteer, Amber Constant. Today we have on the show Amber Constant, and she is a stylist to moms. And oh my gosh, she saves those moms from the ones that have, you know, kind of lost their their mojo in, in the mom phase. And she helps bring them back. She even helps them get into their closets. She even helps them coach them on, you know, where they may have lost a piece of themselves along the way. She's just a whole package and she's going to try to get us a little bit more fashionable today. Welcome to the show, Amber. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Hello. Okay, so you are the closeteer. Um, you would. I love that name. I do too. And you would die if you saw our closet. Oh, it <laughs> is. I, I don't know. Horrific. Oh, we yeah. used to have like the dream closet. Mm-hmm. Remember the house that we our had? Old house. Yeah. It was like almost as big as just like a normal bedroom. Like it was huge. I have no wow. idea what happened to this house. Like this, it was just a normal neighborhood, whatever. And then this giant closet got dropped in the middle of this house. Yeah. I, it was my, it was happy like a place. quarter of the upstairs. It wow. was my happy place. Yeah. Like when I would go, I need like quiet prayer, solitude time. 
I just go to the closet and like the panic think, like, room. Yeah. People think you're like in a little <laughs> closet. No, we could have made a panic room in there and still had a big closet. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a dream closet. That makes yeah. me sad that we don't have that anymore. Okay. Before we get into this, I need to know what you think about how people build closets now where like 90% of it's the like room, an entertaining space. Well, it's like 90% of the room, the closet is for women. And then men have like a separate closet that is like a tiny, like hall closet that you could put like coats in or something. Right. Um, what do you think about this? Is this a good idea? Separate no, closets or? No, I, I don't know that separate closets is a terrible idea. I think it just depends. I have, I've met couples though, where the man is the clothes horse. So mm. it just depends. I really, I mean, I have seen it's run the gamut of closets I've seen and you kind of have to just work with what you've been given a lot of the time, unless you're the I DIY think it's demo going, type. But. When we all started having our separate sinks, I think that's when we started having separate closets. Justin, do you think that's a, an indicator of the future? Like things are just going more and more separate, separate sinks, separate bathrooms, separate closets. What's next? Well, considering the kids took a bath in our bathroom of a couple hours ago, and it's mm-hmm. a swamp now, <laughs> full of wet clothes, wet carpet, like rugs, wet towels, like hard plastic bath toys all over the floor, right. which I stepped on. So Amber, I think you're on the right track of trying to revive moms. Like, I think you're definitely on the right track because that's where I got ready this morning was in the swamp. Step over stuff. Yeah. Get it. Squish, squish. Okay. I have to know. So like as a kid, were you like a a fashion diva even at a young age? Oh my goodness. It is hilarious. So I would regularly get bags of hand-me-down clothes from neighbor friends and that was just kind of how we did it I was a missionary kid so we didn't go out shopping a lot um but that was I think where my love of seeing the potential in things came from and so I would pull out all these clothes and I would take scissors to them and make new things (laughs) There. Okay. What's kind of the most creative thing you remember doing as a kid with the hand-me-downs? Because I I remember cutting the bottom off of a t-shirt and I don't know if you remember in the eighties, it was like the thing to put like a cloth sort of belt or like kind of the scrunchy blousey, I don't know, like layers and like the scrunchy socks and things like that. So I cut the bottom off a t-shirt and made a, a wrap belt out of that oh wear purple tights with these teal velvet knickers <laughs> suspenders I mean I was a weird kid but were you, were you like that were you kind of the weird kid or were you like oh this is you know you're pretty cool here well I I didn't care I think I just thought I was cool mm-hmm. yeah. um which maybe <laughs> I don't know. I think that says a lot about fashion is if you have the confidence to wear it and not care, then people will accept it. And so that has a lot to do with just where fashion is today. Um, Okay. Now, did you have brothers and sisters that did the similar things? Yeah. So I was kind of an anomaly. My, I have, I'm one of five kids Okay. and second born. My sister, I have one sister. She was a complete tomboy. I mean, we rarely agreed on what game to play because I wanted to play dress up and go run through the forest like a fairy. And she wanted to play basketball or soccer. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like our Yeah, I was about to say, this is definitely our children as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were all very creative. So maybe that's something that we did kind of have in common. But yeah, I was just into I had a major puff paint phase where I was making sweatshirts and things like designing stuff and and it was so cool too like you would do it you'd like write stuff on it I remember my one of my fashion statements so I was you know I was always in sports and stuff so but our thing was we would wear long johns like long underwear and then over top we would put men's 
boxer shorts. Oh my oh, God. Totally. I, remember I remember that. Yes. So yeah, long johns like and then, phased. yes. Just and then the, so the butts were like super droopy. And then you would like, <laughs> oh yeah. The men's, what were they called? Like, I mean, now you they're know, like, you know, that, that like people, people work really hard in the gym to not have droopy butts. Well, I'm just saying the, now they have boxer yeah. briefs that are a little more form fitting, but they used to just look like you had a load in the back of the. <laughs> okay, for those who aren't watching us, Danielle's hand movements here are really entertaining. <laughs> and then I would take puffy paint and write stuff across the droopy butt. Wow. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's next level. Sparkle, sparkly <laughs> puffy paint. So it'll draw most attention. Yes. That's amazing. I'm talking seventh, eighth grade. That was yeah, my This dream. is before too, the whole, you know, words across the boxers. Oh, we were, way, I was way before my time. Way ahead of the time. Way before my time. <laughs> Nobody wrote stuff on their butt. And my parents thought it was horrifying too. Probably. They're like, why would you write something on your butt? That means somebody's going to look at your butt and you're 13. I know. Because I'm 13. Phases, for sure. Okay, so you were doing the fun, quirky stuff with the hand-me-downs. I love that. Yeah. Because I think I need... I feel like that would be a really good blog entry for you. How to redo the hand-me-downs. Because oh my. my girls, I am not buying them hardly any new clothes until, you know, it's demanded. Right. There's a there's a whole story here about how our cl- our garage is filled with those like plastic see-through tote plastic containers mm-hmm. full of clothes for every age, for every age, every size, shoes, pants, yeah. dresses, pajamas, baby clothes, onesies, like everything. They everything. fly out of that stuff like a snap. And yeah. then you're like, what I, I need. I don't like, even know where the stuff came from. It's just, it's been in our garage for like a decade. You don't need the to kids know. aren't even that old. <laughs> they are now. They are now. And we're reaping the benefits. So, okay. So I want to know, like, as you went into like college and high school and everything, like, where did you kind of fit in? Like, did you want to get into the whole like styling fashion industry? Yeah, so I actually kind of chickened out in college. Um, looking back now, I think it would have been a way better use of my time and resources to have actually pursued something in fashion or, you know, apparel design or what have you. Um, instead, I chose to be a French major, which. Ooh la la. Uh, kind of connects somewhat to that realm of fashion, but it was not direct at all. Um, I was too intimidated to put in a portfolio of any kind for the art program. That's what it was. So I was just like, I don't know. So I kind of lost my way a little bit, I think, in college. Mm. So I was just floundering, trying to figure something out. And I thought, oh, I like this enough to do it and I can get out in four years. (laughs) So, so did you ever go to Paris and do like the whole fashion-y thing there? I didn't do the fashion thing, but I did study abroad. And then I did spend a year in France after college. And I think it only fed the creative desire that I already had inside to just like play with my look and apparel and things like that. But I was never like pursuing the idea of being a stylist or anything like that. I was always the person though, that my friends would be like, Oh, will you go shopping with me? Or will you like come help me figure out what to wear? That was always ongoing, but it was never something that I actually decided at least not in that moment to really consider. Yeah. It wasn't until. So how did you meet your husband? Like was, was he in Paris, like sitting on a little, little cafe table and you're like, Ooh. Yeah. I wish I was actually in the South of France, which was also beautiful, but there was never, I don't know. It was never like an epiphany hit me in France to do. Hey, like maybe I should do more of this. Yeah. But, um, like I said, I could never really get away from it. It was always just coming out of me. 
So how did you meet your husband? So you're married, have three kiddos. Yeah. Um, so how did you guys meet? We met in 1999. Party Ooh. times. Um, we both ended up doing um, this summer long sort of missions trip with a nonprofit Christian organization that we were both involved in in college. And we came, he came from New Hampshire. I came from Colorado. We were in North Myrtle Beach random wait but, that's um, where the mission trip was and yeah beach? so it was summer wait a minute everybody stop it. help the people in myrtle beach they're wait, in trouble wait. hurry <laughs> all right yeah i mean you can't really call it like a traditional missions trip it was okay really who planned a ministry trip, really learning trip <laughs> yeah. oh i love it so what a perfect place to fall in love at the beach well here's the it. thing we totally didn't we were just friends i was Wait, what someone else he liked another girl but here's oh. the thing hilariously like if we had started dating then it would not have gone well let's just be honest we were both <laughs> 19 had a lot to learn <laughs> so Fast forward four years, we had been in touch all those years and stayed connected, had some friends that he would come out to see in Colorado here and there, and I would get to hang out with them and see him. Um, I graduated college and he flew out from New Hampshire to basically just lay it out there that he had liked me for a year or so. Oh, I love this story. Very brave. This is like a movie. This feels like a movie. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Well, and without having any idea where I was at, that was the crazy part. Did you, were you, with the feelings reciprocal? So here's the thing. He came out and we hung out for an entire week before he ever said anything. And within that week, I felt like my heart just did a 180. But I was not going to tell him because I was planning to go to France for a year. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm not saying anything unless he does. So, oh, did a 180 as in like you were just friends and then over the, over the course of the week you you developed feelings. Yeah. Oh, so okay. this was before you went to France. Yes. <gasps> so so what did you say when he's like laying his heart out there? I was like, well, in a year, peace. Be honest, I'm feeling similar feelings, and but I'm also still going to France. (laughs) Yeah. So, what do you think? And so we ended up actually deciding to date long distance, what have you. I don't know what do you want to call that torture. Um, (laughs) A year of torture while I'm in France. Yeah, but we did it, and it. You know, we stayed together, which is amazing because that was not usually how I was. I was you not think, the kind of person like that. So do you think that if if you had said, Oh, screw France, let's just let's just do let's just be happy and and you know be together. Be, be together. Do you think you would have made it this far? I don't know. That's a really cool question to think about. Because he still had a year left of college. Yeah. It, up at, He ran track in New Hampshire. Um, and so he still was going to do that. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if would I have moved up there? Would I don't know. Do you think that that time apart, like starting your relationship basically a year and you're yeah. not even in like the same hemisphere, um, I'm yeah. wondering... Like what was like the found what kind of foundation was laid in that year that you think you kind of had a leg up maybe on some other couples, some yeah, some- I actually really appreciated, even though it was really hard, I really appreciated the commitment that we had to you know weekly phone calls, I mean, and that was back when you had to buy a phone card and dial a code, and like it was a mess, oh my like, gosh, yeah. It was just crazy. There was no Skype yet. Like it was just beginning. And I mean, so it's a modern miracle that we stayed together, but we just poured our hearts out and like wrote letters and all these things. I really do think that that really was a huge foundation of just knowing each other well without, you know, the need to have to go there physically or, you know, yeah. Sometimes I think that can be a distraction to actually 
digging in deeper and getting to know each other before, sure, you know, you would get married or something. So what, so uh, when people take a year like that or, or a big adventure like that, it's mm-hmm. it really, it really tends to have a shaping effect on, on them in a deep way. And I'm curious what, yeah. what's the big thing that you walked away from a year in France? Um, I, oh man, there's so many things. I think there were so many aha moments that I had about having been raised in the U S as a missionary kid, but still totally American. Um, I think I had so many moments of realizing that my faith that I had, I had grown up with really, there was so many things about it that were just very American Christianity. Mm. Oh, um, what the culture I was in was doing. And then also then digging down deep to be like, okay, what's the actual foundation of this faith biblically rather than just culturally. So that was a big part. Um, I think, yeah, just, it gets real lonely when you're a foreigner. And so you have to learn, you know, how to handle that and learn about yourself on a deeper level than I don't know, depending on your personality type, <laughs> I was not always yeah. the most self-reflective one. And so yeah. it was really good and hard for me to go there in that way. Yeah. So I'm also wondering too, like you said, you grew up with parents that were missionaries and then you and your future husband were like kind of in that kind of mindset as well. How does that missionary mindset, um, pair with the whole fashion industry yeah it's so funny that's a great question because I think that is something that I have really had to think through and because I think it tends to at least I generally I think having grown up in that Christian bubble it can tend to be something that people look at as shallow or unimportant and you know kind of surfacey and yeah. But I really do, as far as I've thought about it, and I think even just the giftings that I feel like I've been given, um, that there is something to considering, not just fashion, because that's really just, as a counselor friend of mine put it, that's my weaponry yeah. in um, order to help women get more free. Mm. Oh, I and like so that. that's really my heart behind it is that it's not about how you look. It's about your inside matching your outside. And yeah. so you can become more free in who you're actually created to be. And you can use your, how you choose to show up physically as part of that. It's obviously not everything, but how you know. did you see that play out like in the mission field? Like, I don't know all the places that you have lived or were a part of. Like, I'm just picturing like in Africa, seeing people right. with beautiful, vibrant colors. And like, is like, how did that, what did you see in that kind of area? Like people in different cultures with their fashion. And- yeah. And I mean, so definitely considering global ideas about beauty and fashion, there's so many different cultures and I think that probably the mode that I work in most it has to do with probably more first world people and cultures because that's who can actually have the freedom to consider that Mm -hmm. um because I mean there's places the world over where that's just not even an option Mm. um but I do see like I do think that God gave us beauty and aesthetic and those types of things to enjoy. And I mean, really for me too, like, it's just a ton of fun. And mm. so I think it's a way to express yourself, your unique personality, some of your giftings. And I also see it as it can help you serve in the way you are created to better when you have a better handle on that or have it like, you know, when I do, women's closets it's I talk about how it's like meal planning but for your closet because then it helps you get free enough you don't have to spend so much energy or thought on that you still feel great but then you don't have to spend so much time thinking about it you can go and do what else you have to do and now we interrupt this episode of the legendary marriage podcast to bring you a word from our sponsors 
us. <laughs> All right. So we know that communication is the hardest part of marriage, right? Yeah. And the story goes something like this. You talk about the bills, the crushing the chores, keeping the kids alive. But it feels like you become really good roommates. Yeah. Not the soulmates you were when you got married. Maybe the busyness of life and the trials and challenges of raising a family have just worn you down. Maybe you're just more comfortable having transactional conversations instead of passionate, transformational, exciting ones. Oh, uh, the good news is that by making seven small shifts, you can get on the same page and have conversations that matter and then Infuse more intimacy and connection into your marriage. Oh, yeah. So what are those shifts? We've spent more than a decade researching and working with couples to distill down the seven most powerful shifts that couples can make to build more intimacy and connection. Nobody else is teaching this stuff at any price. And this free resource is available now at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets, the number seven secrets. And the good news is you can make these shifts, just break out of that roommate zone and transform your marriage without making your spouse sit through some boring workshop, endless counseling sessions, or sitting knee to knee naked in some weird sweat lodge, braiding each other's hair and holding hands while a bunch of people sit around staring at you singing Kumbaya. Was that just us that did Awkward. <laughs> so grab this free resource today at legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number C. Secrets and start building a life, a love, and legacy together today. And now, back to the show. Okay, so I know you have three kiddos. Do yes. they, um, was it, first of all, was it challenging, like still being fashionable and styling yourself when you have little babies? Like, was that a challenge? Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not above spending a full day in pajamas like that. That happens. That's sure. just life. <laughs> so I think you should find pajamas you love though. Okay. So don't yeah. settle. Um, <laughs> I think it always became this sort of, I don't know. It was like a treat for myself to get, to get dressed or to put together something that I loved and that I was excited to wear it kind of helped me remind myself like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like when you're feeling better then you are more able to be present, be here and aware of like with your kids. Yeah. I mean, obviously when they're real little, they're not necessarily directly getting that, but I do think they pick up on that. Like the way you feel about yourself and the way that you're carrying yourself and showing up. Yeah. yeah and like, I, I think to, to, to believe that what's going on inside of you is not being witnessed and is not bearing fruit in your day is just naive or crazy. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's a lot of pressure there too. Cause you're like, okay, it comes across. Like I need to, it leaks out all over our lives. Yeah. So how about your kids? Are they, fashionable do they like to dress up do they yeah so hmm, my boys so my two oldest are boys and they're totally different in their personalities but I would say they care the least about what they are wearing I mean sure. that's a battle I let go of a while ago <laughs> them, I'll insist like twice a year I'm like guess what mom's picking your outfit today but otherwise, I'm just like, if you're dressed and like things are semi clean, all right, we're good. But yeah, my daughter, clean and covered, so right? Funny. What's that? Clean and covered, right? That's... Yes, there you go. Like, I mean, we have showed up to fancy shopping malls with one kid wearing one galosh and one croc sandal. It happens. That's what you can find. Hey, they're wearing feet. He's, exactly. he's not going to get glass in it, right? <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're definitely not like the most fashionable family. <laughs> now, my daughter definitely does tend towards loving to put together. She puts some bonkers things together, which I love. And I have, I can't say anything about it because I was so the same way. <laughs> That's awesome. She took a briefcase to church one day as her purse. All so, right. You know? To That's each right. their own. <laughs> there was a, talking about junior high fashion trends from back 
when we were talking earlier. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a season in junior high, I think, where there were about three or four of us guys who who had briefcases instead of backpacks. Oh, my gosh. You did not. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Why? Because it was just... It was just different. It was fun. It was. You guys had briefcases. Yeah. Got to stand out somehow, right? <laughs> did you get thrown into your lockers? What? I mean, like, did people harass you for bringing briefcases no. to school? <laughs> no. They just thought it was that's, funny. That stuff only happened on your side of the tracks. <laughs> or on the after school special. Yeah. On Saved by the yeah. Bell. Yeah, we didn't grow up in Saved by the Bell. I didn't go to East Side High, honey. Okay, so I want to know what happened or who did you meet that made you think, okay, moms really need my help here. I need to help them get their stuff together. So I don't know. It's funny. I think being a mom, I think really that was probably the biggest part of it. It was right around that time that I came up with the term, the closeteer. Mm-hmm. Right around, I, my second born was a preemie. And so we had a lot of issues just the first several months of his life. And it was, I think um, that whole scenario, I had really bad postpartum depression. And mm-hmm. so when I finally felt like I came up from air, for air from that, um, is when I was realizing like, oh my gosh, like I just want to like do something for myself and feel alive again, you know, have some kind of spark there. And so I think that just coupled with, um, I don't know, just being around the moms I knew and connecting with them and wanting to see them feel like themselves again. Really yeah, like what kind of, I'm just wondering, you said your son was a preemie. Um, what type of, I'm, I'm just thinking about the parents that are there with oh, their Oh yeah, it is just a blur. I mean, and it was such that, you know, he wasn't eating right away. And so you're doing the pumping and bottle feeding and trying mm-hmm. to nurse and it literally is around the clock. And so, I mean, we're talking dark bag circles like you just don't get more than an hour hour and a half of sleep at a time you're like ships passing in the night with your spouse like it just was crazy and so it will end one day (laughs) it does not last forever even though it feels like it will Um, you know what it's interesting too that you said like it will end like I feel like It's very tempting, like for me as a mom, like I was, you know, like you said, you're breastfeeding, you're pumping, you're, you're doing all this kind of stuff where you just feel like you are the role. You are a cow that is like, you have udders, you like, you just, all you have to do is like sustain yourself and sustain this child and that is it. And yeah. I think there's a lot of beauty in that. And yeah, there's God's created you to serve that function. And you were an incubator and now you're a cow. And now like, I mean, there's this season where you go through and you really feel that that is pretty much your only yeah. lot in life. Well, it's and like then, your body gets taken over, really. Oh, yeah. Well, we jokingly, when I was pregnant... Should there are I like share three this? Three utter jokes that <laughs> in my head, and I'm like, you I just, can I can't. Them. There's no, there's you just can, no. You can make them, but I was oh, gonna say, we jokingly, every time I was pregnant, would call our, we would refer to our baby. You know, some people say like, oh, it's our cute little sunshine, or you know, something. While you're pregnant, we would call <laughs> our baby the parasite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> we call it with love. I mean, with love. Our cute little parasite. We're not trying to speak a curse or anything, but you know, there's a certain sense of reality. Like reality is yeah. your friend, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's great to it's great to to have a, a sunny disposition and oh my little sunshine <laughs> and our little jelly bean and all those things. And and there is a certain reality that you know kids are kind of like parasites. Especially they, they when suck the life out of you. They're Especially, eating your food. They're, you know, but I'm just thinking like, sometimes I feel like the tendency as a mom is to like almost get stuck in that phase of like, that is my only function to like feed the kids and like make sure they're safe and you know, all that kind of thing. And 
they get so all consumed with that. Well, yeah, for the first three months or so, it is all consuming because you have no freaking idea what you're doing. <laughs> you're doing this all for the first time or, you know, and you don't, you're not sleeping and uh, the whole thing. But then sometimes you can be sucked into like, okay, so now I've been doing that for three months. This is the rest of my life is right. I am the role. I am the mom. And yeah. it's tempting to just stay there. Like you get mm-hmm. used to it. Um, so how do you like kind of snap the women out of it and say like, hello, like open your eyes. Yeah. There's a whole new world out there. Ask them about their life. Like, what is your life like? What, you know, is your regular day like? What do you find yourself reaching for as far as clothing day in and day out? Because a lot of us do that where we have kind of like a uniform (laughs) that we don't even realize. Um, That's not all bad. It's just, it helps me kind of get a read on where they're at. And then I ask them questions about like, what, like, what's one thing that you feel amazing in? And if they can't answer that, then then you really know like, oh, you've really forgotten or lost that Mm. because I do believe that there's a way that every person really feels their best. And so I try to get some information from them first and get stir that up and get them thinking about it Um, because then when we get together a, a lot of even when I see some of my job is it's just a professional encourager. And so that's one of my favorite things to do is just to really point out to them, whether they see it or not, ways that they're amazing or things they look great in or the way that they just are put together their own giftings and what they have to offer and to remind them. So do you, can you see a person and see what type of clothing they would look best in? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of practicals that you learn, um, and I've done a lot of research. I actually am this year hoping to actually get officially certified as an image consultant. There is a certificate mm, program, oh yeah. so that's on the horizon, but you can do a lot of research and learn just about cut and shape and tailoring and how things are going to fall on a certain shape and I think that's important to note so like you're a real curvy lady like these are some of the things to look for that will flatter your figure best or if you're real you know narrow and boxy or you know there's just a lot of different practicals that we talk through when I meet with individuals because it is so personalized but it also is so individual based on your size shape everything I always think like I would love to like, okay, look how pretty Amber looks in that pretty scarf. Oh my! Gosh. And I bet you Justin is thinking, Danielle, you could wear that scarf. No, I could not wear that scarf. Yes, you could. Because I would feel like I was suffocating to death and somebody was choking me with a scarf. Um, but I'm looking at you and like, oh, you look so cute. But every time I try to tr- try on something flowy or flouncy, I'm like... Flouncy? <laughs> Word. Fabric, fabric words. Flouncy? Yeah, it's just like flowy. All right, I'm I'm getting on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, that that's there's no way. It's a word. It's a see. She's the style expert. She's saying it's a word. Flouncy. Okay. Oh, it comes up on Urban Dictionary. Uh, I don't. <laughs> on I don't know if you know if we need to go there. <laughs> But like every time I try to try on something flowy, I did this yesterday. I tried on something flowy. I'm like, why do I even try this? It always yeah. looks like I'm like trapped inside like a mummy fabric or like a bed sheet that I can't get out of or something. Okay. Like it doesn't look good. All right, here we go. Flouncy from Urban Dictionary. <laughs> oh, geez. all right. Uh, a mix between bouncy and flowy. Yes. Usually describing a woman of sorts. She's rather flimsy and bouncy, a.k.a. flouncy. You tend to be flouncy or you must not be able to catch or throw a ball and then proceed to laugh at your incompetence as if it was nothing. Okay, stop, please. What? (laughs) The definition doesn't even make any sense. Okay, that makes it sound like... anybody write those. That's why. I think it was... That was just saying you're a... I don't know. That girl is just too flouncy. Let's see her? <laughs> what? 
This is ridiculous. <laughs> Too flouncy. I don't know. Well, Let's... that can apply to fabric for sure. Flowy and flimsy and bouncy. But and... it like... can also be used as a compliment. Oh, dang. She's working those shorts. She looks really flouncy today. Wow. Which you've never heard a man say before. Never. Ever. You're looking flouncy. <laughs> looking flouncy it's going to be a new thing in your yeah. household, I feel like. Okay, Justin, you're going down a weird rabbit Let's hole. Let's get flouncy, baby. <laughs> I think you need to stop there. Okay, I want to go back to... <laughs> we, we, we've derailed. Okay. Amber, I want to go back to some of those questions that you ask your incoming clients. And one of the questions that stuck out to me was, um, what is like your uniform? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, I'm wearing my uniform right now. And that is t-shirt and yoga pants. Okay. I, that's, that's my uniform. Okay. Um, I'm wondering when you go to like work your magic on them, mm-hmm. you just try to like move them up like a notch from that. Or are you like, Whoa, t-shirt and yoga pants burn that we're getting, <laughs> we're getting a like, you know, cocktail dress. And I'd be like, what a cocktail dress. So My hope is to, when I meet with a client really like to get in her world and see Like, I'll ask, like, okay, so why do you reach for that? Like, what is it serving? Why do you like it? Why, you know? I think I look good at it, honestly. So, Justin, you can weigh in on this. Do you think I... You don't want me to weigh in on this. (laughs) I do want you to weigh in on this. Do I look good in a a, a t-shirt that fits? Not like a 10 sizes too big t-shirt. A t-shirt that fits and yoga pants. Do I look good in that? I mean, it depends on the scenario. Do I look good right now? Mm, I mean, is it important that your husband you don't thinks look you look bad? Is it important that you think like that that your husband should like what you look like? Like, is that an issue? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a balance there for sure. sure. There'll be times when I ask my husband, like, what do you think about this outfit? And he's like, oh, I don't like it. I'm like, okay, who cares? I don't like it. So I'm wearing it anyway. Boom. And end of story right there. <laughs> there you go. Right? I, so I think that's, that's what I mean. A balance. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I want you to, to not be embarrassed or mortified by what I wear. So like, I think that there's a thing, but then in the end, I'll, I'll, I'm a big boy. I'll make my own choices. And, and, and I hope, I I think, I I I think that's a good balance to hold for people. I actually have a friend that she knows the out, like the pieces of her wardrobe that her husband does not like, but that she really does like, because she only wears them when he's not going to be around. Oh, funny. Or like out with girlfriends or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Like, so when he's around, she's going to wear an outfit that she knows that he likes. What do you think about that panel? Yeah. So here's my thought. I feel like there is always some kind of like, it needs to be bring you freedom. And if Mm. it is, I mean, not like in the, I don't know, constricting or, you know, oppressive is, those are strong words, but I guess what I mean is like, okay, so you're an individual. If you like a a certain thing and your husband has made it known that he does not, and you have realized, oh, well, it's no big deal for me to just save those for times when he's not around. Great. But if you feel like, oh, like I have to like hide this or like, I can't really fully express it then that's a whole nother issue. That's got a deeper root other than just the clothing, you know? Right. The thing that pops up for me is what we model for the girls. Which is? um, What I would never want to have happen is something, a a scenario like this, where it's like, you've got something and you're like hiding it or wearing it only when I'm not around. Because I don't want them to get the idea that... Well, I know Dad won't like this, so right. so I have to I have to like sneak out the door with it or something like that. And it's right. really you have to edit yourself. Case of modesty and things like that that I'm thinking about. Mm. Hmm. 
I'm wondering what you said. There's a deeper root behind that. What are some of those deeper roots that you find with the moms that you work with once they get past the like um, t-shirt and the yoga pants, which I love, and I know it's not the most stylish thing. Um, Well, when they just although even with that, I will stop you right there. I don't I don't make them throw those out. But I explore like what else is there that you will like just as much, mm. but that also brings out some of the beauty that maybe just hasn't had a chance to shine, you know? Yeah. So I'm just wondering what are some of those roots that you kind of dig down to that you're like, okay, this is the reason why they're stuck in the schlump zone or whatever, right. whatever you professionally call it. Man, it can be so many. <laughs> different things I mean it's funny how it kind of does turn into a little bit of like life coaching slash counseling because it's more than just about fashion it's about what you believe about yourself Mm. um and a lot of times that can have you know far reaching what are women having trouble believing about themselves I think that their body is okay as it is um yeah that they can love what they are in like the vehicle they have right now they don't have to wait for some time later when they finally get it together or diet enough or exercise enough or whatever I mean it could even be like oh I want to you know really finally get to where I know what style I love and I buy all the right clothes like it doesn't even have to be about your body size it could be different types of things like that and I think a lot of times we just wrap ourselves up in the lies that we hear society-wise about beauty, about standards of beauty that are just totally unrealistic, even for the women who meet them. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, like I said, it's about freedom. If you can find that place, that happy place. And I mean, we're not, none of us perfect in getting here, but like you can get to a size two or whatever you wanted to get to and you like it's just death to try and maintain that Mm. or you can totally let it go and it's death to just not care and so to find the happy balance in between where you're like taking care of yourself and considering it and you know being kind to yourself but also you're not like holding yourself to this rigid expectation that's not not even doable Mm. yeah finding somewhere in between I mean and there's find your happy place yeah yeah because like yeah everybody's got that size or that weight or whatever that they've gone down to sometime in the distant past that they hold on to as like well that's my goal or whatever is to get back to that place and yeah you might for like a fleeting second (laughs) like I think this is really helping me in this moment when you just said that is like I have that mindset for me, but I'm like, right now I like eat healthy. I exercise yeah. all the time. I feel great. Good. Yeah. That's so great. I'm not on the, you know, like on the scale, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I feel awesome. So why you am are I awesome? I know even in my t-shirt and yoga pants, yes. um, but <laughs> I'm wondering like, do I just need to give up that? number like what is that number to me I don't know right and what is your motivator because it's not wrong to want to work hard and you know reach goals and that's not what I'm saying at all I'm just saying like that level of expectation that you're putting on yourself that's just yeah it's just not bringing life in any way yeah So you go in, you help women, you go shopping with them, you help them get in their closets, you call out the best like version of themselves. Um, I (laughs) I love that so much. And what do you feel like your ladies come out saying on the other end? Like, you know, once they've gone from, you know, I'm um, an utter machine to like... I am this, you know, what are they when they come out? Fashionistas? I don't know. Um, But what do you find? What's the transformation for them? Yeah, I feel like 
a lot of them have said like, oh yeah, like I just forgot who I have been and like what I love and like how to let that, you know, their own unique sparkle come out. Mm. You know, that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. Like, I feel like we all have these personalities and these giftings that are so unique to each one of us. And if you can free that up, it just comes out and it's like just immediately attractive and it doesn't even have Mm. anything to do with their body size, their shape, their coloring, any of it. It Mm. just has so much to do with them getting more free. I love that so much. Okay. So Amber in wrapping up, because that's a lot of good stuff there. (laughs) I know our listeners are definitely going to find, want to find you, what you're doing, how to connect with you. So let us know what are all the ways we can find you? Yeah. So I do probably the most on Instagram. It's just a platform that's very visual. So that ends up being a lot of that, but I'm at the closeteer just all together, no spaces. Perfect. All right, Amber, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right. So here's your conversation starter. What word or phrase conveys your style? And what would you like it to be? (laughs) Word or phrase. Obsequious. Honestly, I don't even remember what the word means right now. It just sounded fun. It popped into my head. I think my style is actually casual sporty. Yeah. Yeah. That would be yours. Mine's lumber sexual. What's sexual about it? It just looks plaid. You like the way I look. I guarantee it. All right. That's (laughs) it for today's show. If you're ready to break out of the roommate zone and become soulmates, then check out the seven secrets of legendary marriages over at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, hey, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.